episode. You kids with your streaming and your downloading, it's a world I don't understand. <laughs> very misleading. And you also being complicit in being very misleading with this damn quiz. Yeah, attentive viewers will remember General Borlaug from last month's quiz. This is what the fans have been waiting for, don't you worry. Oh, and of course it would be a useful interplanetary alliance and all this. <laughs> She's like, no. Rude. Agador, is he the wild pork? Hello, and welcome to World Enough and Time. My name's Alex. And I'm Andy. Woo! So excited you're here. I'm very excited too. Great! So this is podcast number seven. It's going well. So, are you excited about the return of Doctor Who, Al? So damn excited. And you're here for an episode of it, I think. Yes, at least one. Well, definitely one live, but I think I'll need you to record one so we can watch one together as well, because I'm going to be there for, you know, seven days, aren't I, or so? I will so. record that with my recording capabilities, which are non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> you kids with your streaming and your downloading, it's a world I don't understand. <laughs> I will definitely find a way. I'll, what I'll do, I'll watch it, and then I'll reenact it for you. Is that all right? I think that would probably be better. I think yeah. so. I think yeah. Jodie and me are virtually one in the same. So really, um, it'll be quite exciting for you. So yeah, so that's another great thing is that I will be coming back to, to podcast, not, not to just podcast with you, but actually spend time with you. It's but... <laughs> quite an expensive hobby. I'd like to podcast in person with my sister. Sorry, off to New Zealand. See ya. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that could be an expensive one. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be great to be back with you. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> no, it is. I'm very excited. And we've, we're almost at the point of having booked a hall and a band for Barn Dancing Joy. So it's going to be amazing. And what is the occasion, Al? Are you going to share that with, with the listeners? Yes. Tis my 40th birthday. Uh, it's like a rebirth. Um, I'm sensing that the 40th year is the best one and so yes my 40th birthday is going to be huge and you're going to be here to enjoy it with me hooray 40 though does not seem possible my lady that's old people-y it really is quite old people-y isn't it it's like i've you done all the things right. that i wanted to do i'm now just settling down into the old routine and that's kind of does describe my life so that's okay excellent good to know so first up al I've got a quiz for you. It's quiz time. Oh! You see, I was thinking after the, the joy of the um, William Hartnell episodes, was I supposed to come up with a quiz? But thank goodness I don't have to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a brief synopsis or summary or prefix or whatever you want to call it from the Radio Times for a Doctor Who episode. And you've got, to yes. tell me, you've got to tell me what Doctor Who story it is based on the little summary from the Radio Times. So damn excited, you could not possibly understand. Okay, so number one. The Doctor's worst fears are realised. 
but he and Romana are trapped deep underground, and the Daleks are moving in for the kill. Who's moving in for the kill? The Daleks. Oh, oh, oh. Um, so that's got to be Destiny of the Daleks. Correct. Yes! You don't, you don't want to hazard an episode number, do you? Um, episode two? Oh, it was three. Close. <laughs> I'm taking that. Okay, number two. The Doctor takes a long walk, but Susan and Barbara face a very short ride to destruction. Nope, not, not there, thanks. <laughs> it was a harsh one. The Reign of Terror. Oh, for goodness sake. Come up with stories I've barely heard of. Good, yes. <laughs> okay, the next one. Okay, the Doctor and Jamie find themselves in Victorian London and meet the dreaded Daleks once again. Um, oh golly, that sounds like a, the Victoria one. Um, is that, oh golly me, is that Enemy of the Daleks or Power of the Daleks or... I don't know. Close. Evil of the Daleks. Oh yeah, just... It said it was definitely of the Daleks. That's not close. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how much you tried to make me feel better, that was rubbish. Okay, number four. What has become of Gallifrey? Who are the marauding outlers? What lurks beneath the marsh? The marauding outlers? Well, that's got to be um, Leela. That's got to be Invasion of Time, no? No, it's, it's what lurks beneath the marsh. It's the marshmen. It's full circle. What was the start of that? Exactly. The start of it says what has become of Gallifrey, which sounds like it's gone missing. But it hasn't. Yes. So that's the Radio Times being really misleading. Very misleading. And you also being complicit in being very misleading with this damn quiz. I know, I'm feeling really guilty. Can you tell? Um, no. Next one. With the TARDIS immobilised, the Doctor and Romana get pulled into a whirlpool in space. There is another ship there, a ship with a bizarre cargo. Oh. What's a bizarre cargo? Um, 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 is it um, the thingy with the mandrels? Nightmare of Eden. Yes. No, bizarre, no. It's, the horns, it's the horns of Nymon. But... <laughs> Did the people from the Radio Times watch the shows first? I think this is more of an insight into how badly Radio Times um, billings were written. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't care, did they? It's about Doctor Who a bit. And there was a companion there and some stuff happened and we know he's from Gallifrey. No! Okay, the next one's better, right? This is um, number six. The Doctor becomes a fugitive, hunted by the army across a monster-filled London. Sarah discovers the amazing truth about the spaceship. Oh, oh, I just watched this recently. Um, this is the invasion of the dinosaurs. Correct. Yes. We actually, we haven't found out what happened to Sarah. We, we left her there on the spaceship and we haven't returned. We really do need to take a bit more care. Okay, they got very um, limited in their wording for this one. Can the Doctor solve the mystery of recursive occlusion? Oh, for goodness sake, this involves having real knowledge. Recursive occlusion. I feel like I've heard the term. No. No, I don't know. No, it's Castrovalva. Oh, is that what recursive occlusion is? Gotcha. Um, number eight. What is yeah. a... <laughs> this is a weird one. 
What is a recreational? <laughs> what the hell? People wouldn't watch a show based on that blurb. What is a recreational? Did someone not proofread this properly? Um, the Leisure Hive. <laughs> I thought that was a good guess. It's actually for to doomsday. It was. I think the recreationals were the dancers. This might be the last one. Okay. Okay, this is really weird. They went into a really weird area here. This is the summary. Excerpts from the TARDIS dictionary disc. Plasma, noun. Substance found in human blood. Tetrop, noun. Savage extraterrestrial with strange dietary habits. Eerie, noun. Dwelling place for large winged creatures with one entrance and no exit. I, I feel like you might have just gone off on one slightly and started just having a separate podcast about something very different. What on earth did you just say? Weird, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> say it one more time. So the, the summary is as follows. Excerpts from the TARDIS dictionary disc. Plasma, brackets noun. Substance found in human blood. Tetrop, brackets noun. Savage extraterrestrial with strange dietary habits. Eerie, brackets noun. Dwelling place for large winged creatures with one entrance and no exit. Is that time in the Rani? It is. Hey! Frickin' heck! That was mental! All of the episodes are like that. All of the episode listings for Time in the Rani are weird like that. So strange. Really bizarre. Wow. I think you got about three or four. No, I counted nine. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, I realised that we, um, we haven't done something yet, which is talk about um, the Hall of Fame votes from <gasps> last time. So excited. Tell me, tell me, tell me more. Well, the last time I looked, in fact, the poll for Battlefield, our last episode, is still open. Oh, and, good. Um, like that. Currently, Bambera is well in the lead. Why? What, what is happening? Do people not listen to us? Do they not understand? I think they listen to us, but they disagree with us wholeheartedly. <laughs> but um, I think it's really that they're voting for the fact that they like that there's a, a female black brigadier. And that's what people are voting for. Do you know what I mean? Rather than whether they are the best character. Mm. Well, then they've missed the question. <laughs> um, Xiao Young is in second with 19%. <laughs> right, these people are mental. And then Lavelle and Morgan are in equal third on 18%. So. Oh, for goodness sake. What? <laughs> what? What is it that people's criteria is? I don't understand the people of the world. Or the people of following World Enough and Time. Okay, good. Good. I agree with you all. You made very, very much sense. It says there's still 23 hours and 33 minutes left on that poll, though, so we may, we may discover. Pull it back, people. Um, Pull it back. <laughs> it's the Kaliak. Yes, the Kaliak. How are you? How have you been? How is life in the crow world? She's quite excited, I have to say. She's flapping her feathers about hither and thither. <laughs> Good, good, I like it. Tell us your news, Kaliak. I am unrolling the scroll. So the scroll says that um, she is more excited than life itself about the return of Doctor Who, which I think is a little less than news. Yeah, it's not even news, because really, the Kaliak's opinion isn't what we're here for. 
We want her completely objective news. This is not, this is not okay. Can you have a word, please? I think she's misunderstood her role in this podcast. Yeah, opinions unwelcome. We don't want opinions. We want predictions, accurate predictions. Facts, no less. Is there another creature from Doctor Who that could be better at predicting things for us? I'm trying to think. Um, oh, golly, it's a good point. What could do better than this? There has to be some. Um, She's looking at me very angrily now, the Kaliak, as if to say, do not supplant me. I, think, I feel she would understand words like supplant. Yeah, she does. Um, so what about the, um, the creatures from her era, that, from the Stones of Blood, that are purely fact creatures, the, the judicial system in the spaceship? Maybe they would be better. What are they called? The Megara. Yes, the Megara. They, they wouldn't have any facts of any use, but they would certainly not give us their opinion. Yeah, maybe we should try and get the Megara on board. Do you think their fee will be um, expensive, though? I think as long as we can find the sound effect, they'll be virtually free. <laughs> I think you might be right. OK, well, I'll look forward to the Megara joining the show. So... <laughs> <laughs> Without any further ado, then, we now turn... Unless I've forgotten something. Have I forgotten a segment now? <laughs> I have no idea! No, no, we are. We are on target, on track. I think we've done everything we're supposed to do. It's, it's, all, it's all happening. Would you like me to sing you a song? Yes, go for it. Clocklida partha menin clatch, haroon, haroon, haroon. OK, that, that's as far as I go. I don't know the second line. Oh, I do. All our listeners are asleep now, especially the big furry listeners anyway. <laughs> yes. It's a hazard. They're hypnotised to our will. So we are reviewing The Curse of Peladon, no less. Yes! It was an odd choice, wasn't expecting it, and uh, yeah, I, I was quite happy, actually, before, during and after. So yeah, not a bad call at all. Good stuff. So can I tell you about my, um, my introduction to the Curse of Peladon? Please do. Okay. So in 1982, there was, when I was a mere strip of a lad at 10 years old, and... Suddenly there was an advert on, on BBC One for a new series of Doctor Who repeats called Doctor Who and the Monsters. Very inventive <gasps> title. <laughs> and yes. they were showing... They started with Curse of Peladon, then they showed Genesis of the Daleks, then they showed Earthshock. Oh! July to August 1982. And I just felt like all my Christmases had come at once. Can't tell you how excited I was. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry I have no memory of it. I, I would have tried harder. Four-year-old me was just lazy. I don't think you did try hard enough as a four-year-old, as I recall. No. I used to talk over your audio recordings. I do apologise now, in retrospect. And I remember for the second episode, we were at Grandma Priestner's house. And I remember thinking it was really odd watching an old John Pertwee Doctor Who at Grandma Priestner's house. And why didn't people understand this was more of an occasion? <laughs> so, just so I know, um, do are my black and white memories 
me playing tricks with myself or was there a time when I will have seen this in black and white? Um, I don't think so, unless you remember the 1982 one, but no, because Grandma, we had colour by 1982. No, I um, thought, oh, maybe I'm, is it the Monster of Pelagians? One of them, I feel like when it was released or when we got a copy, God knows how, it wasn't, like a lot of the John Pertwee's that we saw weren't colour for some odd reason, like the Silurians needed to be recolorized and that kind of thing. Was that not the case with any Paladin ones? No, not. I just, yeah, okay, I just felt that those pink shoes were just new to me. They were grey in my head. But okay, that, that's more me than anything else. Okay. So, so it was really exciting to watch it. I was fascinated and watching it then encouraged me to buy my first Target book, my very first one, because I'd been gifted an unearthly child. Um, but I went out and bought The Monster of Peladon because it was the sequel. Ah. Yeah, that was the first one I bought in response to watching Curse. And I loved it. I was so excited. Ah, exciting. Yeah. It is kind of cool, though, that they had two Doctor Whos that did have the one that referenced another at that era, because that wasn't a normal thing, was it? No, exactly. Um, and I th obviously it had been moderately successful, successful enough in the production team's mind to do another one. Um, yeah. So, what are your initial thoughts, Al? Well, I enjoyed it, so I can see why. Apparently, so as you know, Apparently it all looks very Romanian from my reliable Romanian source. Apparently the, um, apparently the way they dressed and the funny weird hair that they had and even the castle itself looked quite Romanian. So I'm interested to know if there was any kind of Romanian lilt in the people who are creating it. Oh gosh. Well, <laughs> the designer was um, Gloria Clayton. She doesn't sound very Romanian. Gloria Clayton, nay Georgiou. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe she was. Yes. Then she got married to, uh, I don't know, Mike Clayton. Maybe that was her f uh, maiden name. Yeah. What, what's the Romanian version of Michael? Mikhail. Mikhail, that was his name, I bet. I bet. <laughs> no, I'm saying she married a British man called Michael Clayton. No, Mikhail. <laughs> Mikhail. We all know no, the truth. No, because he's British. She's only Romanian. <laughs> Initially, and then she gets married. No, she's still Romanian, but oh my God. Okay, you're giving me that she's Romanian. Good, good, Gloria the Romanian. Yes. So, yes. What else did you, yes. did you initially think? I observed so many wonderful things. Uh, actually, what I did feel was Joe did a better job than I was expecting. I, 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 I like yeah. Joe. I like what she represents in a an odd way like often she she she's been in so many good stories she is a bit interesting she can be a bit screamy but i found her to actually have quite a positive role in this i like how she the way she worked the doctor was quite nice she had a way of dealing with him that brought a bit out that otherwise wouldn't have been there like she she just has that smile that makes him kind of think, oh, yeah, she knows, he, she knows what I'm talking about. And, yeah, she was really cool. I loved that bit in the beginning in the TARDIS where 
whichever way he looked, she was going to move around to be in his line of sight. She was really quite, nah, don't ignore me, look at me, I am Joe. Like, she wasn't forceful with it, but she was fun. She was very enjoyable. There you are, Joe. A perfect landing. And about time, too. Now, now, Miss Grant, let's not be impatient. Impatient? Look, I'm all dolled up... Dolled up for a night out on the town with Mike Yates when you talk me into a joyride in this thing. It's hardly and... a joyride, Joe. This is the TARDIS' first test flight since I got it working again. Yes, I know, but you said we'd only. You said we'd only be a few minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we've been simply ages. I particularly enjoyed her um, <clears throat> stepping up to be the princess. Uh, yeah, when she does um. her Queen Victoria voice, that was really cute. I do not deal with intermediaries. I know, it's so cute. And then John Pertwee's face when she said the pilot was exceedingly inefficient. That was really enjoyable. Yeah, it was. But also, I feel that John Pertwee, or the third Doctor, needs to spend some time scaling a cliff wearing heels, to be honest, because he doesn't seem to understand the feat that she had to go through in order to get up that bloody cliff. He's like, oh yeah, either stay here and die or go up a cliff. Well, you try that in heels. Don't be so damn rude. (laughs) Um, we're going to come back to costumes in a special segment which I've entitled Dressed for Success. Oh my goodness. A bit later on. So, so think on, t- on the shoes, because um, we're going to come back to them. Um, do you know when Joe was really cool and she went off and did her stuff um, behind the throne and she went and found where the statue had fallen down? Yes, I do. How did she know that the curtain was there and that that would lead to a ledge? She's just a bit thinky. Bit clever, that was. Uh, yeah, she was. She was. She wasn't just going to be cowed by anything. She she did have quite a role actually. She was allowed to go off and wander and do her own thing, quite a lot of the time. And when she went into the Ice Warriors room and had a little shifty around, she was. Yeah, she was doing her thing. She was quite positive. She yeah, I I did like that. She wasn't as weak and feeble as she often had been made to be in some of the stories. Yeah. I I couldn't quite believe it that. He sent Joe off to do the equivalent of like running the UN <laughs> in episode four, which is like, you go off and run the meeting and get them all to agree. And I'm thinking, you're leaving, <laughs> this, you're leaving this to Joe? But she'd shown herself to be quite up to the challenge. She would flirt her way to the very top and get them yeah, all to agree. You're right. Um, what about the love story between Paladin and Joe? Um, yeah, it was kind of gross, wasn't it? Like, um, it wasn't. You see, a love story requires some, like, strong emotion and a connection. Oh, yeah, that's a thing—a connection. I've written something down about that. He said something really. There is a bond between us, and it's like, no, there isn't. There is like. He has an English. He has an. Uh, a, sorry, not an English. Probably was English. He has a human mum and a Peladonian father, therefore there is a bond between us. I'm sorry, but that does not a bond make. That's just clutching at straws as far as I can see. It's, no, that does not mean we're going to be together. Like, he's so protected from the world that he thinks that's enough as a a chat-up line. It's really quite gross, to be honest. It is, and it's even more gross when he just quite quickly adds to the mix... Oh, and of course it would be a useful interplanetary alliance and all this. <laughs> She's like, no. 
Yeah, she picks up on that. She's not having any of it. She's like, oh, so that's what you want me for, you bastard. Yeah, no, I was quite pleased with that. She really, um, yeah, it was like, I'm a bit human too. Therefore, we're completely connected. No, I'm sorry. We need a little bit more. But um, I, I think she probably enjoyed the fact that, you know, she was of interest. That, that seems to be a deal for her. She loves to be liked. But no, no, not good enough. My mother was an earth woman. So you see, there is a bond between us. Do you believe me? Yes. Yes, I believe you. Then speak for me to the Commission. Make them see my case. I see. All you want is a political ally. No, I want you as a friend. No, no. I'm strictly neutral. Count me out. I thought plot-wise it was very clever, though, that, that they could have Joe and Paladin as sort of flirting and potentially falling in love, even though it doesn't really happen. And the fact that that actually has a knock-on effect in terms of the plot and in terms of the alliance and in terms of the other delegates thinking yeah. Earth is currying favour, etc. Yes, yeah, no, it's not just a sideline kind of plot. It's part of it. It's needed in order to further it. Yeah, no, that was quite nice. Um, yeah, and, and I, w I must admit, I was very excited to have my old favourite character um, brought back into the fore, General Borlag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, attentive viewers will remember General Borlag from last month's quiz. General Borlag was a very important part of the whole thing. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? I don't, I don't know what his name is in it, but I feel General Borlag must have been a better name for him. It would have been much more memorable. So there was Islia and Sorg. Yeah, no, General Borlag, we love him. Yeah, and it's a really neat thing, isn't it? A neat trick that the Ice Warriors are goodies in effect. Yeah, actually he was and I must admit I because of my ability to get easily confused I was waiting for the ice warriors to turn themselves in and go yes sorry it was all us we're terrible people sorry about that we've been trying to sabotage the whole thing so it was quite lovely for me to realize that I completely confused the two paladin stories and that they were actually quite nice yeah. people. And it was written by Brian Hales who also created the ice warriors he wrote the original ice warriors and the seeds of death. Oh, did he? Yeah. Ooh, so he really did have a vested interest in them and he knew what they'd come from. Yeah, exactly. So it's neat. Yes, I really liked it. It's not normal, I think, for this stage of Doctor Who, for them to present people who are standard Doctor Who monsters as people who can change. They have decided to renounce their warlike nature and become creatures who actually have used that to turn things around they want peace they see the benefit it was it was so great to see them build upon characters and understand that they can have more than one layer so yeah no i really enjoyed it so princess you believe that we tried to kill arcturus well if you didn't why was the missing servo unit in your room perhaps you brought it here as part of your scheme to trap us. That's just not true. I... One of 
You must have tried to kill Arcturus. Nobody tried to kill him. To destroy Arcturus, the helium regenerator must be deactivated. What about the unit? Merely sensor equipment. Disconnecting that only produces metabolic coma. So it couldn't be fatal? Only uncomfortable. We haven't mentioned about Joe going out on the ledge and when she left the Ice Warriors room, that was very brave, wasn't it? Gosh. Little bit silly, really. Like, if your option is stay in here and you have no idea what's coming because no one's actually told you, it's just stay in this room, or go out onto this ledge where death is virtually certain, I would have stayed in the room, and I think most people would, but she was quite willing to go out there onto the ledge, which was so damn small and was quite a height that, yeah, she thought, yeah, this is the better deal. I'm going for this one. I don't want to stay in the room. To then be caught by the Ice Warriors virtually instantly. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of effort for not much reward. (laughs) Indeed. Um, Okay, so what about the other characters, the other members of the the Summit Conference, as I'm calling it? I have a question here. And this is something I feel you'll be able to answer, but are they all named for their planet? Because I feel like it should have been, like, yeah. Joe Earth from Earth. Because it's King Peladon from Peladon. Arcturus, I'm sure, is from Arcturus. And Alpha Centauri. Is Alpha Centauri from Alpha Centauri? Yeah. Like, I just felt like it was a very odd thing. It is. And I think, yeah, I think the Doctor and Joe are very remiss for not just being called Earth. I know. They didn't even try. <laughs> And the Ice Warriors also being thinking they're a bit special with their own names. Yes, they could have renamed Mars they to called Mars. Mariadom Mars, or something. Mars, Mars 1 and Mars 2, mm. maybe. But is that true? Is Arcturus from yes, Arcturus? Yes, yeah. Centauri from Centauri? Wrong, isn't it? Goodness sake. So tell me about Arcturus. What do you feel about Arcturus? Um, well, actually, Christy had a nice view. Christy was very confident throughout that Arcturus was the precursor to the Daleks, that he was... Obviously, he's not seen Genesis, don't judge him. Um, but, yeah, no, he felt like with the little ray gun, with the little sticky out bit and the, the kind of reliance on that life support system, that Arcturus was the start of the Daleks and that, yeah, he was what they look like inside. So that was a nice little side plot that didn't exist but could have done. <laughs> and Alpha Centauri, God, like... I remember loving that. I loved the whole hermaphrodite kind of an ideal when I was younger. I thought that was really fun that it was a he but had a very girly voice and um, yeah, the whole just making you think about things a little bit more. I really enjoyed, but the voice was just, ugh, it was vile and you just couldn't listen to anything said because you were just so annoyed. Yeah, so... Yazan Churchman, who voiced Alpha Centauri, was given the advice that she should do it like a homosexual civil servant, which is offensive. (laughs) Oh, for goodness sake. Has she no idea? Homosexual civil servant. Oh, my goodness. I'm very angry if that was what she was told to do. That's so gross and so wrong. And just was a screechy, annoying creature that... Yeah. 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 That's that's wrong and bad. Oh, something else that was wrong and bad, um, which was actually on screen, as opposed to that advice, 
um, was that Arcturus, at one point, the Doctor says, he just dismisses Arcturus and says, oh, Arcturus is just a box of tricks. Brilliant. Which is so racist. I couldn't quite believe it. No. Yes. Arcturus is actually just one of the other races at this meeting. And you can't just dismiss a whole race as a box of tricks. I was astonished. <laughs> They're really bad. Yes, it is. I, I did like the whole idea, and I don't know how topical this would have been in the 70s, of um, joining this kind of federation kind of thing. The whole Peladon joining the Galactic Federation. Um, it just did seem fascinating that it did feel like any kind of European country trying to be part of the European Union and the the hoops they have to jump through. Obviously, I'm back to Romania trying to work out what they were trying to do. Actually, to be honest, in 1982, they were so full of communist corruption that that probably wasn't part of the plan. But um, yeah, at some point, they would have wanted to join the EU, which they eventually did. And it just it did feel quite interesting that that was a plot line, that that was a thing that must have been in people's minds at the time that nations wanted to join like a bigger um, federation of of other countries where they could get benefits and I'm very I'm expecting an answer from you but I really I'm keen to know what that could have represented in in our world at the time what was happening in the 70s then that could have um, could have fed that story uh, well, you're, you're, you're hot on the, on the trail there. So the UK joined the Common Market, or the EEC, on the 1st of January 1973. And this went out in, <gasps> in 72. So this was all feeding good. into that, um, that question as to whether it was a good thing to do. And there was Ted Heath, who was, who was Prime Minister, who was saying, yes, we must go into Europe for a cross-fertilisation of knowledge and information. And, um, yeah, so there was, there was people pushing towards it and people pushing against it. So it was very mm. much part of the story, I think, as part of Brian Hill's thinking. Oh, you see, oh that's fascinating. I, I really didn't realise that was how late the UK had come to the party, to be honest. Yeah, it was 70, 72, so we joined 73, yeah. Wow. But, but as you say, it was a bit more like another country, not like the UK joining in terms of, in terms of how it was kind of like, because I was thinking maybe Poland or Albania. Yes, it was quite disrespectfully done. That kind of, the people are quite barbaric and quite backwards yeah. and, and yeah. the Federation is ahead of their time, but everyone else is a little bit stupid and they just fight a lot. And so, yeah, the fact that what I guess was classed as England um, and their... Um, thoughts about joining the EU that is quite different because yeah obviously you expect English people to just generally assume that every other country is a bit stupid but not themselves so yeah that that's not what I was expecting at all and of course I couldn't help but think about Brexit yeah Um, of course I was thinking of Hepesh as a sort of hairier Boris Johnson (laughs) and and Michael Gove is obviously Arcturus (laughs) only (laughs) Only Arcturus is more agreeable looking. <laughs> yes, and friendlier generally. We'd all love to have a chat with Arcturus if it comes to it, as opposed all to that, all that stuff. All that stuff about wanting to hold on to a golden age and 
and all the heritage and myth of oh Britain is great and we mustn't let it be corrupted and all this crap. It really yes. made me made me think of all that stuff. Absolutely. There's that line where Hepesh says, "I'd rather be a qua- cave dweller," and I think that's what a lot of people have voted for. Essentially, is to go back to us living in caves when Britain was great again, you know, and all that crap. Um, yeah. <laughs> back to the, those days when we had nothing and yeah no rights no yeah let's just get back there because life was better then but I, I did have a, a very insightful comment from my wonderful um romanian chap which was hepesh he is mental <laughs> no he is his plan's not very good but then he's, he's not got a plan it's because he's he loved it. He just said it so strongly. It was like, he is mental, that man. <laughs> yes, I agree. He is a little bit silly. <laughs> I also had another wonderful Romanian comment of, Agador, is he the wild pork? <laughs> <laughs> the wild pork. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't know what I'd do without him. <laughs> Can we do our Dressed for Success, our new segment? Let's. I'm gonna get dressed for success. Shaping me up for the big time, baby. Get dressed for success. Okay. First so... of all, I was yes. super excited by... Alpha Centauri's curtain outfit. I, I feel like, I mean, I have of late been watching a lot of reruns of Great British Sewing Bee. So I just feel like in the Great British Sewing Bee, that perfect curtain outfit I, I, is going to be like one of the, the first sections of, you know, Claudia Winkleman telling us what we need to make out of this piece of fabric. Um, and it, it, was, it was stunningly bad. But also, um, I do need to let you into a little, a, a newly held joy of mine, is that I feel that at some point in the future, my wonderful Romanian <laughs> is going to be wearing thigh-high boots and purple shorts. It's the way forward, and I cannot wait. That's a terrifying thought. <laughs> it's, it's, it's beautiful in my world. Uh, it, it's going to happen. It, it's just a, a question of when. Um, yeah, I, I also liked that um, that when was it when Hepesh died that um, that they draped. Yeah, I love that there was like that all the fighting scene where everyone was wearing their very beautiful purple lurex skirts, and then Hepesh died, um, and he was draped with a, a, one of the soldiers purple Durex skirts. <laughs> that was quite fantastic. I don't know if you noticed. Wasn't it just a hanky? It wasn't someone's it skirt. It felt like it, it to me. Or an off cut from another person's purple skirt. It was, yeah, it, yeah. There was a lot of amazing clothing. What did you notice about the clothing? Um, so, uh, you've already talked about Paladin's shorts and his, um, and his boots. What about his collar that he wore occasionally? Oh, the silver one that was quite excitable. Yeah. Yeah, no, loved it. I feel like we don't wear enough over-the-top collars, really. Now, <clears throat> Joe's dress. What some people might not know if they weren't around in the early 70s is that, which I only ju- just was, 
is that that was precisely the sort of thing that you'd have worn for a dinner party in the 70s. And I love the fact that actually... It really? Always, it, yes! <laughs> but actually it, it works as a princess costume as well because that was the sort of on-trend thing, I think, for, um, for the lady about town. Would They would dress in these massive sort of like ball gown effect things. That's kind of good. Um, yeah, no, I hadn't, fa- hadn't realised that because at the start she's like, oh, I was off to meet Mikey Yates or something. Um, and yeah, you're like, wow, in that? But clearly that's a perfectly acceptable thing to do. For a restaurant, not to go clubbing in. <laughs> Sorry, what's clubbing outfits then? Is that more Destiny of the Daleks? Destiny of the Daleks? Day of the Daleks. Sorry, Day. Yeah, there's, there's Daleks involved. I'm thinking more red knickers and dungarees, yes. So um, I also noted that the Doctor has a little, a little waistcoat which we've not seen before. Did you spot he that? He does. A, quite a little tartan affair. Very happy in it, wasn't yes, he? I like that. But we, we get to the nub of the matter now and the issue of Joe's shoes. Now, the issue I've got is that when she's going along the ledge, when you see it from Joe's point of view, they are different pink shoes. Ah, there's definitely an ankle strap in one shot. There I'm is! with you there. I thought I should rewind this, but I thought, no, it's just my mind playing tricks. I'm glad you saw the ankle strap too. Yes, different shoes. And to be honest, I do hate fat shaming. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. But for the, the chunkiness of her feet, she shouldn't have been wearing those shoes. There, there was a layer of fat that kind of chunked over the edge of the shoes. That really, really shouldn't have happened. A layer of fat that chunked over the <laughs> It's just fact. I can't Gosh. escape it. Oh, so I have, have a question. I have a very costume. important question oh. for you. It's not fashion related. Can no. we go here? Yes, we'll we, we leave Dress for Success behind. Goodbye, Dress for Success. I'm gonna get for success. It was amazing. Um, so, King Peladon. I feel that King Peladon has probably lived in the Peladon region for quite some time, um, but he keeps sounding incredibly confused by the fact that there's tunnels and i know i know it's like have you never touched one of those torches you just touch a torch a mite and you'll find a tunnel it's not that hard just touch them move it slightly they're often slightly askew or one will be down by the side of the wall that will mean someone has moved one of the bloody tunnel openings it's like Oh, that's new information. Are you sure? Uh, you must have touched one of those torches. I know, exactly. And if he's been there since he was a boy, he talked about being a boy and they took him up to the throne room and helped him out, Hepesh and Torbis. He must have been a remarkably uncurious child not to even look yes. behind the tapestries, you know? I know. <laughs> Goodness me, they're not that hard to find. Very, very odd. But I was shocked by Gron's kind of deviousness. Grun. 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 Oh yeah, good point. That doesn't work. Um, yeah, no, he he was quite fiendish. Like when he's uh, obviously he was following some kind of instructions, but when he kind of 
pulls the doctor off into a different direction in order to give him some terrible experience. Like, he's like, yeah, this is the thing you need to do. Come here, go here, this is fine. And, okay, maybe the doctor is incredibly um, easily led, but it just, um, yeah, it, it seemed odd how he was so underhand. Like, you'd expect him to be quite one-dimensional and just follow instructions but not necessarily be someone to lead the doctor into intense peril and then just leave him there it just it was seemed very out of character indeed yes can i also bring something up um which is a massive plot mistake um on the ba- no. yes on the basis of what happens in monster of peladon so in this story the doc- doctor mentions that trisilicate is a mineral that's only found on Mars. He says that. I heard him. Yeah. In the next story, Monster of Peladon, trisilicate is only found or, or is found in large quantities on Peladon. No! Wrong yes. and wrong. Yeah, so that's what the whole miners' business is about in the Monster of Peladon. It's all about them mining trisilicate because it's, it's, that's why Peladon's important to the Federation. But the, it's a bad, bad um, continuity. It's wrong. Very bad. And I'd not noticed that before. So that was a shock. Did you enjoy the Scooby-Doo moment? Um, there was no pesky kids, was there? The bit where Joe said, So it was Arcturus all along. (laughs) I loved it when she found the little device with the Ice Warriors. It was just, there's a hole, it's quite squarish looking, and then there's a thing and it's going to have buttons on it. If you go find that, you've found the solution to everything. And I love that she went off and found the thing. It was just so like, oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing that must be Arcturus's control panel thing. Amazing, I'm a winner. I, I thought that was really cute. It was just so perfectly, this is the key to the lock. It was very sweet. Yeah. I have to say that I um, I really enjoyed the line that the Doctor said to Hepesh. You're a wily old bird, Hepesh. Oh, I, I wrote down you're a wily old bird. It's lovely, yeah. isn't it? Very good. And I also loved um, Islia's um, description of Alpha Centauri and Arcturus. What is it? Arcturus is a coward by logic and Alpha Centauri is a coward by instinct. I thought that was lovely character detail. That is quite lovely. And I, again, I've got more wonderful lines from my, my wonderful Romanian, which was um, in reference to Alpha Centauri, which was a, raise your penises. <laughs> what? He thought that all of the little arms looked like penises, and when he, got ang- when he, she got angry, he raised all his penises, which I thought was a lovely idea that I had never considered before. <laughs> So that's the reason why the director put Alpha, demanded that Alpha Centauri should be in a cloak because he thought the whole thing looked like um, a todger. Oh, one big <laughs> penis with many penises attached. Yes, I can see that. Yes. yes. That's, that's where the sewing bee got involved. I love the fact that when Alpha Centauri was agreeing and put a hand up in that, in that meeting to agree, that all the hands just come up just because of they're connected with string. Or I think that it's was so the cute. raise your penises moment, to be honest. Yes, it was, it was a classic. Okay. <laughs> he just came up with some very incisive comments, honestly. I feel like without them... They're, they're, you know, they're important. And didn't you um, feel that Joe's curls stood up well to a storm? I was very impressed with them. 
The storm had very well, I'm watching little watching it effect. with Marisa. Marisa was at the end of the story saying, See, her hair is still perfect. That's serious hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> Can I take us back to the very beginning? Because this is something that I love very much. Is that the Doctor calls the TARDIS indestructible. And I'd really like to get some clarity on this. Because, yes, it is kind of indestructible when it falls down things nothing bad happens to it but there's been many stories when it's it's quite destructible like things can happen to it we have to you know yes jettison the swimming pool and all the rest of it bad things happen to the TARDIS so what level of indestructible is indestructible that seems like a a very bold claim that we can't necessarily substantiate yeah so in the classic series, it tended to be that, I think the Doctor said it a few times, but this is the most, I think, the most direct time where he says it's indestructible. But in the new series, in New Who, they, the Doctor's gone back on that, I think, and said, oh, no, it's not indestructible. So I think they've changed their mind about that because it takes away suspense and drama. Yes, that. I loved how just confident he was. He was like, yep. It's going to be fine. It's going to come back to us and everything's going to be okay. It was, yeah, I, I, I had that surety as a child, knowing that the TARDIS was indestructible. I never had a fear that the TARDIS would ever be in any kind of peril. Um, and it was, it was a nice one. It was nice to know that anything could happen and the thing that I cared most about in the world, a TARDIS, was going to be safe. And, yeah, it's a shame that I don't feel that anymore. I feel it's really rather in danger. It's like the ground's come from beneath you, isn't it? Um, so, is there anything else we want to... How about we have um, a summary now of, of your thoughts on Curse of Peladon, please? Oh, golly. Um, it's a classic who. It's, it's everything that you'd want from a standard who story. It... Um, oh, 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 we haven't talked about the fact that it's the first, um, the first time since the exile that he's been able to take the TARDIS off planet. Isn't that huge? Well, there's also um, Colony in Space, so, um, which is a few stories before, where the Time Lords take, um, take the TARDIS off to the other planet. And um Ah, so that was the the, ta- the the Time Lords could make it happen. Yeah. And at the end of the story he says he thinks it's too much of a coincidence that um they arrived there just at that moment. So he suspects it's the Time Lords again in Curse of Peladon. Oh okay, so it's not a first of any kind. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. is fine. Because he doesn't get his dematerialization circuit back or whatever it is until the end of the three doctors as a thank you for the Omega business. Ah, gotcha yet to happen yeah. um okay so yeah no to summarize very classic who a lovely bit of doctor and companion interplay where the companion furthers the doctor's skill um and they have a very strong role to play they do actually improve the lives of the people they meet it's not too complex we don't have to worry about um, actually, was there any benefit to the Doctor being there? Wonderful moment where the real Earth delegate has the open mouth at the end. Like, what more could you ask for? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's just a really classic, solid Doctor Who where we had a story, there was a plot, there was characters that you cared about, and, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Cool. So I would... Um 
want to highlight again the fact that that it was really interesting the parallel with with real world antics real world political situation and i felt that that was that was very strong and i like it when doctor who makes me think about other things outside of doctor who and i also really enjoyed all the the world building of paladin and the fact that you felt it was a real place with a history and with a past and you you could understand their motivations and um and believed in them and i enjoyed all of the business with all the different delegates which I think Russell T. Davies later aped in The End of the World, the idea of all these different bizarre creatures. That's true. That's very true. Oh, one thing that we haven't mentioned is the design floor of the torch doors. One thing that oh, yeah. I found really enjoyable was when the Doctor first works out how to open the doors and he knocks himself out with it, which was fantastic. Oh, does he? <laughs> The first time he moves one of the torches and the door opens, it knocks him over. We were, we were fair laughing. <laughs> we were very happy over here. Um, oh, something else that I haven't mentioned is the sound. I don't usually think about the sound at all. I'm going to think about the music, but I thought the soundscape, as I'm going to call it for the story, was really strong. Um, just because you had Arcturus's tank going all the time. I must admit, uh, one I actually have notes is I wish... Arcturus was shut the frick up. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody fish tank noise. I just was so furious. It's like, I actually cannot hear what's going on because of the bloody noises. But yes, no, I agree. That was very emotive. Um, maybe that's why it only finally penetrated my brain, that the sounds. Um, but also I liked, um, in the Temple of Agador, I don't know whether you noticed, that the sound was kind of slightly, I think they were trying to make it sound more echoey, but it sounds really strange shrill the sounds in there and I thought that was good and I also loved Agador's growl I really loved that and raw talk about Agador we we haven't talked about Agador have we he was virtually superfluous um you know he he was a bit crap like from the start you're not that scared of him I don't know maybe it's just re-watching it I knew he wasn't going to be that scary and I was just waiting for the, the lullaby. I love a Venusian lullaby. Who doesn't? Um, and so, yeah, I, I wasn't loving him. And just the way the doctor was stroking him at the end, I was quite annoyed by it. He was very, I don't know, he, he looked to me like someone who had tamed a bear. And the bear was utterly miserable in their life. But, you know, they'd, they'd been taught that if they moved, they'd get beaten up. And I just, I didn't love seeing the Doctor as that kind of bear-taming character. No, I took it more as just like a friendly dog that needed attention, and now it got attention. Is this why you don't have a pet? We're going to get a pet. There's plans afoot for a dog. (gasps) Oh my goodness! You're going to get a dog! This is huge news. This is bigger than anything, Doctor Who. (gasps) Tell me! Well, we haven't decided on a breed yet, or whether we're just going to get a rescue dog, because I believe that's a good Oh my goodness, that's so much fun. I cannot imagine you with a dog, but I think it's brilliant. My Janet Fielding gives me so much pleasure. She killed a native bird the other day. There was quite a furore. There really, honestly, it was the worst thing that's happened. There's been a lot of rescue efforts gone into fixing up the whole native bird death scene um but still the pets they are amazing yeah we can't wait we just want some unconditional love from a from a a pet i think (laughs) oh love it 
Oh, I'm very pleased yeah. for you. So yes, no, get an Agador. It, it'll be amazing. Please call it middle name Agador. We could, oh, the middle name's definitely going to be Agador now. Yeah. yeah although that's a little close to Ag Agadu, I yes. always feel. Um, if we can have some a, a glittery horn somewhere, it doesn't have to be real. Just, you know, about its person. Yeah. I had to go to, <laughs> to the pet shop and um, I, I bought three different collars and attached all of the bells to one collar so that she, there's no native birds that can get killed by my little flower. It, she's, yeah, it, it's not okay. The death of native birds is not to be tolerated. I feel you're saying that so Janet Fielding can hear this. Yeah, I am looking at her as I say it. <laughs> Hall of Fame. Who should go into Hall of Fame? Well, who was the guy that was actually quite nice that died almost instantly? I liked him. Torbis. Yes, love a bit of Torbis. Quite sensible. He has a good idea. Died. Unfortunate, but loved him. I think we've um, got to put Alpha... We've got to put Alpha Centauri in there and and Arcturus. Okay. Can we not put Hepesh in there? I don't like him. Okay, we shan't. Great. Um, can we put Grun Gron Gran, not Gran, Grun Gron, Grun Gron Gran. Um, can we put him in there? Grun, Grun Gran Gron. Gran. I, I think... Uh, oh, General Borlag. General Borlag. He's in there. <laughs> Brackets Islia. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought he did quite a good job. He just didn't have a very memorable name. Had he been called Borlag, he would have had a much stronger character throughout. He just sounded like an, a region of Turkey that's not very well known. So, yeah, no, General Borlag, I think, really has potential. I think you might be right. So we'll see what our, um, our listeners think. They'll probably vote for Grun or something weird. Well, can the listeners please Grun listen? Or if, if If they just randomly choose Alpha Centauri without listening, I'll be furious. That's probably what's going to happen. I know, I can hear it already without the listening. People are going to be like, oh, Alpha Centauri, that's the thing. I'm going to choose that. Don't do it. Listen to the podcast. Understand that she's kind of rubbish. So, I think we're done with Curse of Paladin. I think so. Thanks, Good stuff. So, next time I will be with you in New Zealand, in Auckland. <gasps> that's really soon? I know. Have you got any ideas for a story we should watch? Oh, 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 I think, you know what we've not done? We've not done a William Hartnell yet, have we? No, we haven't. Have you got a, have you got a candidate? Well, it needs to exist. That's the problem. I've not seen loads <laughs> of them. Does Reign of Terror exist? Because I feel like you just taunted me with that earlier. I've not seen it. Reign of Terror, Reign of Terror does exist. Um, I think there's two parts that don't exist, but they are animated. Oh, we should watch that. I think we we should do that. Reign of Terror. Yes. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited. Cool. This is huge. So we will be um, back next time for the Reign of Terror. Until then, I have been Andy. I'm always Alex. <laughs> and so it's goodbye. Goodbye. Enough in time, please leave a review 
on Apple Podcasts. That would make my daddy and Auntie Alex very happy. You can also follow them on Twitter at World Enough Pod. Why not tweet them today? The Megara are on their way. We will expose the Kaliak for her inability to predict the future. Judge, jury and executioner.